You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Money to debate a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It's brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up. Help! All right, welcome to Money Never Sleeps, and it's been a wild week. And we have a lot of stuff to go into. We have a lot of stuff going on and you know, with, with individual stocks from... Facebook and beyond, uh, President Obama spoke today, so we're going to get into that. And what I want to do, I want to bring on the man that is going to keep you informed, the real deal in the markets and private equity. Okay, he is none other than John Dines with REO Capital, LLC. John, how you doing? Welcome to the show, John. How's, how's everything? Good, good. Thank you, Lou. How's, uh, how's everything going there? Good, good, good. I figured I'd give you a proper intro this time around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. It's it's been an it's been an eventful week, and uh, uh, it looks like uh, uh, you know we're we're gonna go right up against uh, more things like as we talked about last week the debt ceiling the the budget and of course now gun ownership is uh in the spotlight as well yeah it, it's it's crazy we with all with all these these issues at hand and and Obama spoke today and, and this is what is is killing me is that he's talking about you know uh rising or raising the debt ceiling okay how's that helping us it it was very very interesting uh over the weekend i managed to to catch uh that uh 2016 movie and and um the uh, uh producer was the um a young man from dartmouth college uh who uh, uh went into looking inside the mind of president obama and uh trying to examine you know his origins his father's origins and um and where what is Obama's goals? And I and I and I found it just to be very interesting that um, you know uh, the the circle of friends that uh, President Obama surrounded himself were were nothing short of radicals, um, and also they were all anti-colonialism um, and, and individuals. And um, it was just, a, to me, it was very interesting insight. Uh, and one of the things he talked about at the end of the movie was Obama's goal is to bring down our amount of uh, nuclear weapons and drown us with debt so mm-hmm. that we end up being no longer the most powerful nation but a nation equal to some of our Muslim uh, brothers in uh, uh, in the Middle East. Yeah, it's it's. it's I mean, yeah. I'm looking at all these things that are happening, and it's it's interesting to me because when Obama was on uh, on TV when he made his uh, his big announcement today, uh, he made mention and which kind of threw me back. He said that the economy is beginning to to boost, that is beginning to be robust that jobs are being created, that 
this is happening and positive this and positive that. And I'm waiting for information. I was, where is this stuff happening? You know, I know uh, we spoke about the, um, last week in, in your neck of the woods, you know, they're at least manufacturing starting to come back there a little bit. Okay. I don't think that, uh, that, that has, that constitutes uh, a big boost in the economy right now, maybe later on, but not this moment. You know, so I would love to know what it is that he was referring to that would make, um, you know, Americans feel more comfortable with what's going on. Well, he's he's a good speaker, and he uh, he's able to uh, 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 come across uh, and, and, and distribute some positive messages. But uh, what we've seen over his last term is what he says and what he does are two different things. Right. Yeah, and and one 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 uh, reporter made a an interesting point because uh, he said he wouldn't negotiate or he wouldn't back down from his position, and she said that every time push came to shove and it was the midnight hour that he did bend a lot on what he wanted, and she, and she wanted to know what makes this time different because uh, th- this is right around the corner. You know, right. this whole right. this whole situation is happening as we speak. Well, this this time I don't think Boehner and Mitch McConnell are going to back down on this debt ceiling. No, I mean, that's that's a big problem in my opinion because if they keep, you know, raising the debt ceiling, we keep, you know, inheriting this debt, you know, how are we ever going to get out of it? I mean, are we going to be like, well, like I think in France they're at, what, 50% tax bracket or something? <laughs> Right, some, and, some and uh, the, uh, in that movie, in that movie, 2016, they had one of the previous uh, controllers on who said that uh, when we reach 20 trillion, and he, and he said by 2016 we will reach t- uh, 20 trillion in debt, that um, we will be very, very close to the same problem Greece had. Is that a fact? That's what, that that's what his statement was. Yeah, and then actually, I'm looking at the uh, at the uh, the outline for for the film. It's it's interesting. You know, it, it's funny is that there's so much truth that you you have so much so many things being thrown at you at one time. You don't know what to believe anymore. And uh, you know, yeah, with the films film, like this. Uh, yeah. In the film, Barack's father, senior, said mm-hmm. uh, that. Uh, he made a statement and he wrote down in, in government when he was in government in Africa that you should tax the people 100% of their income. And and this is where he believes in the movie that Barack Jr. got this uh, this whole pay your fair share is from his father and that, that he searched uh, desperately to find out who his father was and there was this abandonment issue of his father, and when he read this, and he read how um, how the British invaded Africa and took over Africa, and um, uh, you know this is where he came up with this anti-colonialism, uh, pay your fair share, uh, you know, and and to decrease his vision is to decrease the power of the United States uh, to um, to equalize. Uh, United States out with the rest of the world. Yeah, but that that 
I mean, to me, that doesn't make any type of sense of why he would want to do that because that would minimize our strength globally. And that's what he wants. That's Obama wants, like his father, who wanted, um, was against strength, like the British. And when the United States, when he got in uh, up to power, the Brock Jr. became a senator. He realized that he could he could he was a good speaker and that he could convince people of things, and that he'd be uh, people would want to help him, and. And then uh, as he became a senator and finally made it into the uh, race for the president of the United States, that his vision was indeed to uh, be against that, uh, that power that mm-hmm. the United States and that Britain had and to uh, distribute or redistribute the wealth like his father wanted to do. Mm. And just for the purpose of our listeners, uh, the movie that, we're, that you're referring to is Obama's America – 2016, and uh, the one of the one of the producers was uh, he actually was one of the producers of Jurassic Park, uh, Days of Thunder, and also Schindler's List, which is interesting. Uh, he's an Oscar. Uh, he's an Oscar. Uh, his films won Oscars. So, you know, this is not just some kid in a dorm making a film. You know, this is right. a Hollywood heavy, heavyweight. What I, what yeah. I yeah, what I thought was most interesting was that he took the time to try to go inside the background of Obama and to uh, go inside of his head and try to figure out, uh, you know, what is his vision for America and came up with these conclusions based on his actions and, um, um, you know, and, and put this, this speculation forward. And uh, it, it makes a great deal of sense. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 amazing, but you have a lot of people across the country that actually they you know they see things the way uh, you're you know you we were speaking about uh, that you were speaking about with the movie, you know they see this, and you know people aren't stupid with social media and information at your fingertips. Uh, the reality is, you know, it's been proven time and time again that if you if the people. Uh, get wind of something that's a little, you know, shaky, that they will uproar. You know, there will be an uprising. And I think that, you know, if what you're saying is correct, that that may be something that may be imminent um, because no one's going to allow uh, for this country to be, you know, weaker. That can't happen. Well, they said that that we had 5,000 nuclear warheads, and Obama wants to take it down to 1,500. And eventually, he wants to take it down to 300, which is equal to the uh, uh, combination of, of Pakistan and, and Israel and, 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 and so forth. And, and um, uh, that, uh, meanwhile, Russia is not uh, decreasing their warheads. Um, and, um, and then also, one of, the, um, one of the people in college that he... Uh, his father uh, used to study the writings of um, this author, who was a, a communist, and matter of fact, was on the uh, FBI's watch list. And mm-hmm. Obama Jr. Uh, started to read more about him, and eventually also became friends with a um, uh, a, uh, a radical uh, Muslim speaker that was affiliated with Hamas, and. Um, 
you know, and, and that uh, he was against Israel. And this is, they said, this is this is where Obama Jr. gets his um, lack of support for Israel from these people that that he was surrounded by. And then when he got into office, one of the first things he did was he took um, this um, uh, miniature statue of Winston Churchill and gave it back to Britain because, of course, Winston Churchill stands for the colonialism that took Mm -hmm. over Africa. Mm. It's really interesting um, how a lot of personal um, feelings you know, can be, can, can, can really, you know, take, you know, our leader, you know, President Obama and, and have him do certain things that are not in the best interest of the country. You know, um, again, you know, this is based on what, what we're seeing in the movie. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that there's a big disconnect and I think there's a big problem because, you know, it's amazing to me, Lou, how, yeah. how someone like that, who, uh, the, who uh, the minister that married him and uh, Michelle Obama uh, was also anti-colonialism, uh, radical. Uh, one of his friends in Chicago uh, was uh, a bomb, tried to bomb the Pentagon, uh, tried to uh, bomb the New York uh, uh, Twin Towers. Uh, and, and all of these people that he was uh, affiliated with throughout college in Columbia and Harvard when he started uh, running for office in 2008, he separated himself from these people because he knew that if he continued to be affiliated with radicals, communists, uh, that he would never have a shot at the president. And, of course, the left-wing media did nothing to go ahead and uh, bring out these affiliations that Americans should, should have known about, um, that he uh, was a, a, admiring and friends with, uh, and it's just stifling to me how he, he even became president. It would, any, any one of us would have had these type of friends. We would have been um, um, questioned by the CIA, questioned by the FBI. We would have been uh, harassed. But, um, um, you know, he made it to be the president of the United States who and, and has such a different vision for the United States, uh, it's it's just it's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, yeah, my, let me ask you a question. Uh, you said that uh, he had these associations, affiliations when he was in college, right? Right. Okay, but then he disassociated himself while he was in college, or or before he became no, president. No, in two thousand eight, when when he ran for president, after mm-hmm. being and he was affiliated with these people up until he was a senator. Oh, in okay. Chicago, and, and in 2008, he uh, quickly uh, disassociated himself from all these uh, these people because he knew that mm-hmm. it would stop his chances uh, at becoming president. No, well, that that's information that definitely the American people should have had. Um, you know, again, you know, look, I I personally don't think that. Uh, President Obama is a bad man. I think he's doing the best he can. I, but I, I have a problem with all these concessions. I have a problem with all this debt, you know. And I have a problem with when someone is because uh, he's professing that he's trying to protect the middle class. 
But if you look at things, and just FICA in particular, okay, now with FICA, um, they raised it, uh, they, they raised the FICA rate. But it's only up to, I think, if you're making, your income's like up to 125, 130,000 or something like that. After that, it doesn't raise any more than what it is. So basically, if you're making, you know, $10 million or whatever you're making a year, your FICA is not going up. Your FICA, is, your FICA rate is right there alongside of someone that's making, you know, a fraction of what you're making, so they're paying exactly what you're paying. You know, so how is that helping the middle class? I, I, this is the stuff that I don't get. After viewing that film, I firmly believe he has no, absolutely no interest in helping the middle class and that what that author said was correct, that he believes that if you tax, uh, if you increase taxes, not just in America, but globally, mm-hmm. then you will redistribute the wealth and uh, equalize the playing field. And if you and if you uh, if you stifle people with increased taxes and increased debt, then it, it and and lower your defense spending, that indeed will will lower America's ability to continue to be a superpower. Yeah, and that that's not good. You know, there was a there's a radio show host, you know, uh, Alex Jones, and he was on Piers Piers Morgan, um, oh, um, the Piers yeah the Piers show whatever his name is. Uh, he was on yeah, that Piers show, Morgan. yeah Piers Morgan. All right, he was on his show not too long ago. Okay, now uh, Piers Morgan you know, was he was promoting to uh, against uh, you know. You know, with gun control, trying to you know saying you know promote the uh, the assault rifles and certain other uh, armaments and stuff that you can't have this, you can't have that, and stricter laws and all this other stuff. So this uh, the radio show host Alex Jones actually had a petition to get him deport to get him deported <laughs> from uh, from the uh, the United States, and he went on his show and I actually watched it and it was interesting. Because he made a point. I think the guy is, is passionate, and I think that he's uh, he's definitely you know down the road to highly aggressive. But he did make one good point. You know, if you look at other countries that you kind of you know you took their um, you took their arms away, you can't you can't uh, you know our, our Second Amendment, and you can't have uh, your guns, you can't protect your home, so on and so forth. Then then you know. The, the increase in violence, maybe in, in the U.K., okay, you, have, you don't have gun violence. You have other violence. You have more knives and more other violent crimes that occur, okay, because, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people, and they, there should be certain guidelines in there. But the one point that he did make is that if you go and you take the guns away or, or the right, our Second Amendment away from us, then what happens, you're making this country weaker. And you're allowing other people, that's what they want. They want you not to be uh, armed so they can do what they need to do. I mean, we've been through enough stuff with, with, with terrorists coming in here and, and, and creating havoc. You know, from 9-11 on down, you know, and the, the reality is if we don't have the ability to defend ourselves, you know, then well, what are we doing? Are we just depending on the government to protect us? Yeah, that, that, it, I don't know how that works. Going, I, I, it, well, more, yeah, and I, more, and I know this weapons. is. I know. I know. Well, I know this is. You know, we're, we're doing a financial, but I think this is an interesting topic. 
you know, because it does affect the economy. Right. And, and right here in my own backyard, um, they're, they're t- uh, teaching teachers um, about firearm protection and, um, and gun, um, uh, uh, gun practice. And uh, they're, they're uh, allowing uh, teachers now to arm themselves. And uh, more, as a matter of fact, the police here in Michigan can't even buy ammunition uh, because they can't find it because there's more uh, background checks and more guns being sold now and more ammunition being sold uh, that the, uh, the police can't uh, even access uh, the amount of, uh, of um, uh, ammunition that they, uh, they want to purchase. Oh, wow, that's interesting. You know, look, I, I, I believe that, you know, we do have that right for a reason because that, that's, that's one thing that allowed us to grow as a country, to be able to protect ourselves, protect our family, protect the ones around us. You know, uh, it, it, to me, when I see these actors and, and uh, celebrities speak out and say, oh, gun control, take the guns away, get rid of the Second Amendment, you know something, you know what I say to, to, those, to those actors, those Hollywood uh, uh, celebrities or celebridants, um, if you are that much against gun control, don't star in movies with guns. No, but they'll do that. They'll go into a movie that's violent and with guns and everything, but they'll they'll uh, kind of uh, speak out against uh, against having you know the Second Amendment. So that that whole thing just throws me off a lot. A lot of things throw me off this week, John. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. Uh, like I said, it's been um, an eventful week, and uh, um, I, I just found it to be uh, very interesting. And my hope is for this country that we. We wake up, we see uh, what's going on around us, and we take action um, because uh, we can't allow someone to, uh, who's our commander-in-chief to use executive uh, powers to regulate guns. We can't allow our commander-in-chief to uh, sidestep the Constitution and just randomly increase the deficit because he wants to continue spending and he wants to equalize us with the rest of the world. Um, you know, we need, to, we need to go ahead and pay attention to all of these small little things that are going on. Um, um, and because they, they said in the movie also that many people just voted for Barack Obama for that hope, the reason of hope. Everyone was disenchanted with the economy, and they actually thought he was going to be able to change things. And, of course, four years later, many people who did vote for him realized that he hasn't uh, uh, followed through on that promise, Mm -hmm. on that hope that he did promise everyone. Well, look, like today, when I heard the the speech – um, the only question that came to mind is that how how's that helping us? I mean, how's that doing anything? Is it you know raising the debt ceiling? It just it's increasing debt. It's not helping us. So every 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 move that he's made as of late hasn't been to help us. So we have to kind of map out how I mean as 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 a, as a country we have to kind of map out you know realistically don't be blinded by. You know, uh, and I'll, I'll just take a, a line out of True Blood, the HBO <laughs> TV show. Uh, don't be glamoured. 
because you, you can't right. be because you can't you can't be blind moving forward. You have to you know we have a voice and we we you know people died. You've had a, our soldiers out there war after war protecting the country, dying and and fighting for our rights to have this voice. First Amendment, Second Amendment rights, then we should have that. Okay, so the, the, the reality is is that, you know, people have to stand up and don't be puppets. You know, so, it's true. You know, and, and, yeah. and the other thing in the movie, the last thing I'll mention is that he, uh, uh, they said he's done nothing to stop Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons. And, um, um, you know, and that we had allies in Egypt and we had allies in, in um, Pakistan and, and uh, no longer now are, are these uh, countries in the Middle East our allies. And, uh, and of course, Iran is closer now than ever to, to having nuclear weapons. Um, and it's, um, uh, it, it, it is frightening um, um, at the developments and changes that have uh, taken place under his administration. Uh, you know, and, I, and one last point just going to, uh, I want to touch on what you're saying. You know, uh, they're not, he's not stopping and, you know, any of these countries from developing uh, weapons of mass destruction. Okay, so they're, they're developing it, you know, free of any, uh, any disciplinary action, anything. So it, it's interesting. If you look back in history, and I wish, well, I mean, we should learn from history. Our history repeats itself. Okay, you know, um, and we were talking about the gun control, taking the guns away from people and doing all that stuff. Uh, the reality is, if you look at, you know, uh, like, like Hitler, and just, just keep looking down the, down the road in history, they, when, when you disarm and you, you take away things from the people, okay, you can't protect yourself. So what happens? You're weak. And what happens? People come at you. And if you're allowing other countries to develop these weapons of mass destruction, what are they doing? They're building up, oh, they're building up a force. They're building up an army. They're building up, you know, with, with all these weapons while we're minimizing stuff. That I don't get. If they're building right. up, how are we reducing? How are we protecting this country? You know, I mean, are they going to have free reign to come here and do whatever they want, whenever they want? Go blow up buildings and do all this stuff because we can't protect ourselves as a, pe- as, as a people? Go to someone's house, boom, bip, bip, and, and walk away because we can't protect ourselves? That doesn't make any sense. You know, so well, that hopefully... Yeah, that woman that experienced the break-in uh, shot that guy times and a couple of times in the uh, in the head region and in the heart region, and um, they said because individuals like that are are uh, so high on on drugs that uh, minimize the pain that he drove away after being mm-hmm. hit five times with five different bullets and uh, ended up uh, uh, his car a block away ended up. Are you there, John? I think we think we're losing you, John. Be right here. Yeah, there you go. We we lost you for a minute. Well, I just said that, that God forbid, you know, what would happen to that woman and her children if uh, if indeed she didn't have the uh, gun to protect her? Uh, exactly. You know, and th- this is why. I mean, this is going to be a heated debate. You know, it's. You know what what happened in Connecticut? It, it broke my heart. Okay, and it, it seems like this is becoming the norm. 
okay, uh, where people, I mean, just, just recently in New York, some kid went into a school with, with a gun. All right, he just went into the school with a gun. You know, uh, the media publicizes it. They glamorize it. Uh, you're giving people ideas, okay, and that's what I have a problem with. The media is, is pushing this, throwing this in your face, and you're going to have some kid that's, that's disconnected with the world, disconnected with himself, sitting there saying, okay, you know what? I, I have no will to live. Let me go do something like this, too, so I can get on TV. And that's what that's what the mindset is, you know, so... Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different factors there, and I'm, I just hope that um, that that the government officials don't allow something really stupid from happening. Uh, they 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 can't allow it. If they do it, then it's going to be uh, you know everything that that every soldier has went to war for to protect our rights, you know. And you're taking you're taking away one of I mean the Second Amendment. If you do, if you modify that in some way, you know, I mean, granted, going and um, and having uh, strict, you know, uh, guidelines for getting uh, for getting a gun, I, I agree with that. You have to have a, you know, not only uh, mentally uh, have a mental, you know, gauge of the individual, but also see who's in the household. All right, because if someone has has uh, a gun and they have somebody that's uh, that has a mental issue in the household, that becomes potentially dangerous. You know, so uh, things like that, I do understand. You know, but I guess we'll we'll, we'll see. But I think that we need to start talking about uh, money matters. That's <laughs> we as, as as we need to. Let's start talking about money matters. Okay, um, we have uh, we're going to talk about private equity, but we have a big thing that's going to be happening tomorrow. It's been the buzz of the town. Uh, Facebook, they're coming. They're making a big announcement. You know, uh, Facebook, it, it's a company that. It's interesting. You know, it was a darling of Wall Street, became became a publicly traded company. Everybody hated it after that because it dropped down, the valuation was wrong, everything else. But what what I guess what the world is beginning to see is that social media is here to stay. It's not going anywhere, it's just starting. So, you know, the past couple of years has been a building process. So now they're taking it to the next level and you know, their announcement tomorrow is going to be one step closer. There was a rumor uh, that I heard that, you know, potentially, you know, that Facebook may be looking at uh, a Netflix acquisition uh, somewhere down the road, which I wouldn't be shocked about, you know. But things like opportunities like that, you know, are what, you know, companies that you work with, the private equity firms you work with, you seek out opportunities like this because these are the next comings, and this is what makes investors uh, a decent amount of money moving forward. Right. And, and you look at uh, things like Google uh, is in talks with DirecTV. DirecTV owns a, um, uh, a uh, wireless network to compete against uh, AT&T and Verizon. And uh, if uh, Google, which now has their own phones, their own laptops, of course their search engine, um, and uh, would now have their own wireless network uh, mm-hmm. would put Google in a very interesting position of strength uh, mm-hmm. against um, uh, uh, Apple and against uh, uh, Microsoft and, and uh, uh, you know against other uh, people who are already designing um, those type of, um, um, of, uh, of telecommunication instruments. Yeah, well, look, if you look at um, 
uh, at Google. Google, they're they're a company. They're innovative, always innovative. Uh, what people need to understand is that Google they developed the Android, that Android uh, platform. Okay, and they they lease that out to whoever, whatever you know, you know the the razor this and that, and they they lease that out to them. Uh, and they also do something similar with Apple. Um, so they're 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 they have their, their fingers in the pulse of things. Well, and I think what a lot of people don't realize, if you look at Facebook, you know, um, Facebook has a strategic uh, relationship with uh, Yahoo. And you know Microsoft because Microsoft the Bing that Bing technology is Lisa Yahoo. All right now, with with Facebook and where they're going, I think a lot of people don't get it that you know they're looking to plug into everything. They have strategic relationships with Skype and and other uh, other different networks. They're looking to be um, like a, a mainframe. In this in this whole uh, tech, tech, technological revolution that we're in, we're in the middle of, and you know, search technology may not be too far out, in my opinion. Right, right. Well, the uh, private equity has gone back, um, and I was just doing doing some research uh, all the way uh, uh, back in the uh, early 1900s uh, when J.P. Morgan made their first leveraged buyout of Carnegie Steel using private equity. Um, and, and of course, really developed itself in the 80s um, when uh, people like uh, Robert Campau, uh, who did the uh, buyout of federated department stores and Revco drugs, and, of course, uh, the uh, three guys from Bear Stearns, uh, Henry Kravitz, Jerome Kohlberg, mm-hmm. And uh, George Roberts, so Robert mm-hmm. KKR, KKR, uh, yeah, did the, yeah, they did the um, uh, RJR Nabisco, uh, and that 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 was a beauty. Out. That 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 was a leveraged buyout yeah, well, and a half, and and they had that was yeah, the yeah, largest yeah. in history. That was a thirty-one billion dollar buyout of uh, of a company that they took uh, uh, public and then ended up going back private. Yeah. Well, they broke it up once they took it over. You know that that's see Henry Kravis. He was the I'm going to say he's the grandfather. You know I don't want to insult him, but we'll call him the pioneer. <laughs> and the the LBO uh, the LBO business. You know leverage buyouts. He did that. He created it. He knew how to cre- he knew how to how to create to create debt to make it valuable, which is interesting. You have you have debt now. You have value. And he was he had, he had a, a way of doing that with the junk bonds and everything. And granted, a lot of things hit the fan. But you know we're at this point right now. If you look at Dell, there's, there's a big thing going on now that Dell is going to be taken private, and it's going to be a leveraged buyout as well. It's going to have to be, and that may be that may trump the R.J. Nabisco uh, deal that that went that uh, made history way back when. Well, all all of these guys. Uh, what was interesting was the, the KKR guys, Carl Icahn, T. Boone Pickens, Kirk mm-hmm. Kikorian, and all of these guys were, at one point, they were clients of Mike Milken of Drexel Burnham Lambert. And, That's uh, interesting. It, they, it, was, it was Mike Milken that was uh, the inventor, of course, of the, of the junk bond that helped these guys uh, with 
the, the private equity uh, leverage buyouts. And, of course, leverage buyouts is just one facet of private equity. Growth capital mm-hmm. is, is another, which is primarily that what I work with, which refers to um, equity investments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's mezzanine capital and venture capital uh, within private equity. But um, um, all of these, um, they said, uh, have really um, uh, increased dramatically from from the 80s on out to today. Um, uh, just to to um, in the and um, the private equity uh, funds, this, they were talking about the, the size uh, private equity assets under management as of March of 2012 exceeded two trillion. Mm-hmm. Um, and in funds and private equity funds that were available for investments, it was just under one trillion. Um, those are big numbers. Those are definitely big numbers. And and you know, private equity, you know, for our listeners, you know, private equity without private equity, uh, the Facebooks of the world, they wouldn't exist. You wouldn't they you wouldn't have the ability to do this stuff. You know, uh, you may have angel investors doing things here and there, but the, the, the right. big the big deals, the big money, you know, when you go in public and you have to raise the capital, you know, is, is going through private equity divisions. Even at a brokerage room, you have your private equity division, and they deal with that. So there's a big need right. for that, and that's been right. that has increased, and I think it's going to increase. I think we're going to be, you know, uh, I think this may be the year of uh, M&A bursting out, which is going to be really interesting. Right. Right, and and of course, in private equity fund managers typically employ the services of external fundraising teams, uh, which are known as placement agents or capital introduction mm-hmm. firms like mine. Um, mm-hmm. And forty uh, percent of the funds um, from 2006 to to today uh, typically employ uh, firms like mine to uh, help them raise that capital for their funds. So mm-hmm. that um, different types of investors, uh, uh, everything from um, um, high net worth individuals to institutions to large companies uh, who are considered limited partners in the fund, um, mm-hmm. will invest in uh, in these private equity funds. And and for you know you doing that, you being in that area, gives you a really like a bird's eye view of not only one you know, facet of the private equity sector, but you, you, you look at everything with, uh, with a uh, wider view because you're dealing with everything. So it gives you a clearer view of what's happening in private equity uh, in general. Right, and I see, I see more now this year, I'm seeing more global private equity. Uh, I'm in negotiations with a, uh, um, a company out of India, that is going to be investing in lower and middle market growth companies in India. I was in discussions with a firm out of Russia that was going to invest in companies, lower market and middle market companies um, that were growth companies in Russia, and they were putting together a Russian fund. So emerging markets um, are are definitely uh, developing within the private equity sector as well. No, because uh, you know you have you have private equity firms that are looking for opportunity, okay? And you know it's it's interesting. We in this nation, 
there's so much opportunity and there's so much room for additional growth, but all this political nonsense has stunted our growth and has created, you know, situations that are ridiculous where people are losing their homes, they're losing their jobs, taxes are going up. You know, it, if you think about it, it's so it's so depressing, you know, that... Right. And, but, and, but what, go ahead. what I've uh, stated previous to you is that that um, the, the silver lining in that gray cloud is going to be that that the private equity sector, I think, is going to capitalize on a lot of this and offer these uh, these investments to the accredited investor and the, and the qualified mm-hmm. investors uh, because many of these these people who are having their growth stifled are going to take that golden parachute and 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 bail out. Uh, and sell out to these private equity firms, um, perhaps sometimes for sixty cents on the dollar. But, but in in the long run, um, you know, we, we may be better off with being able to take some of these investments, put them in a blind pool uh, in a fund, and be able to offer them to the public. And uh, as I mentioned before, be able to make up for some of that yield that's going mm-hmm. to be lacking in the equity and bond markets this year because that growth is going to be stifled. Um, mm-hmm. I, my prediction is that we're going to have to, uh, uh, these firms that are managing money for the, the high net worth individuals are going to have to look at uh, where else can we look to to make up that difference uh, yeah. for our investors. And um, And there is a difference between, the private equity and markets and the hedge funds, but but I think that mm-hmm. they're going to uh, take a look at these areas a lot closer this year. Well, I think you're making a great point, John, because if you if you look at uh, when we went into the new year, uh, the market went gangbusters. Oh, great, we got a deal, all this stuff, whatever the deal doesn't matter. You know, all these all this nonsense was happening. Market was going up, everything was uh, fine and dandy. You know, but the reality is. You know, uh, that the market didn't go up because of that. It went up for other reasons. And I believe that risk capital is looking to go to work because now is the time for it to start going to work. And they're not going to go invest in the markets. They're not going to go invest in individual uh, publicly held companies. They're going to start looking to uh, – they're going to start looking for growth situations where they can put their money to work for the next few years and see it appreciate and we're going to see a lot of that and risk capital has to do with private equity right and that, another sector i forgot to mention was distressed uh debt, distressed debt and stressed equity that mm-hmm. uh that private equity funds will uh, capitalize on um and uh that whole sector of of uh, the distressed market will also come out in uh, in the private equity um funds yeah, you know, now, now let me ask you this, John. Maybe you can uh, educate people a little more um, on um, getting involved with a private equity fund because, of course, it's for accredited investors, but even those that are not accredited, just for them to be aware of how the mechanics are, would you, you'll probably be doing doing them a service. Um, so right. if you could take a minute and just explain that, I'd appreciate it. Okay, and, and of course the, the difference between uh, private equity uh, funds and hedge funds are that typically private equity investments are long hold 
multiple year. They're illiquid assets, um, usually uh, uh, tangible um, assets from companies, real estate, um, and, and other types of those types of assets that we've talked about. Um, but they're, they're typically a lockup period of uh, five, five years, sometimes longer, sometimes seven years. Um, and then there's different exit strategies at the end. Uh, sometimes there's uh, 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 the the way that the investors get back their money is through an uh, initial public offering. Sometimes it's through restructuring. Um, sometimes it's um, it's just through recapitalization or or uh, uh, or acquisitions. Um, mm-hmm. So. These are typically uh, illiquid investments that are long-term buy and hold uh, versus a hedge fund, which usually focuses on short to medium-term liquid securities uh, that are more quickly convertible to cash. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the other uh, reasons, and and that these investments in private equity are, are, are private investments that are made by private capital. So they're, um, you know, they're, they're not. Uh, there's no secondary market uh, for these types of investments. Um, but however, the, the difference is that these um, private equity funds and these private equity investments typically pay a much higher yield than mm-hmm. uh, the equity and bond markets. Your your reward is in uh, the yield that that you're going to get. And uh, those can range anywhere from I've seen them anywhere from uh, 15, well, 8 percent uh, on average on, on some of the debt, but but 15 percent on equity, all the way up to 60 percent. Well, it all depends investors. on what their. It all depends on what what their investment, uh, what their investments are, what they're investing in. So that's right. That's yeah, right. And but, typically, individuals. Uh, who want to invest in that are are individuals that require they require a one million uh, net worth and two hundred thousand of individual income or three hundred thousand of joint income uh, for documented two years and uh, of course that uh, their real estate holdings are not counted as a part of that million dollar net worth. Right. Right. So this has to be liquid uh, liquid funds where. You know, it's their discretionary funds where they can, they, right. they, you know, they can lock it up for a, a few years. Because even on the exit of uh, exiting a private equity fund, it's not all at once. It can be, you know, quarterly that you can you, you receive a payout of X amount of the percentage of what you put in. It all depends on the deal right. going in. Right. Right. So, uh, so that's the that's the the major difference is that, uh, and, and there's sometimes. Uh, where uh, there's some private equity funds that are fund of funds as mm-hmm. well. So they're investing in other private equity funds, um, and uh, those tend to be uh, obviously a little bit more complex, but uh, the rewards um, and the risks uh, are also mitigated um, through, uh, through those type of products. And, and investing in a hedge fund, and it's not a, a nudge to hedge funds, but a hedge fund is a lot riskier than a private equity fund. And, and that's because of the, the short-term uh, securities that they're typically uh, trading, um, you know, which, which, of course, means uh, more volatility, more risk. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it's like, uh, for, for example, uh, a lot of hedge funds, is a, the company in Europe that uh, UPS was going to buy, and you had a lot of <laughs> hedge funds that were invested in that, and that deal broke down this morning, and the, the stock went down, I think, by about 40 or 50%, you know, but those are the risks. You know, you you can get really you can get slammed on that. Not saying that uh, that all funds are like that, but it does happen. And you know, you can at, at the same time there can be a, a big reward, but the risk is a lot lot higher in my opinion than a private equity fund because you put your money away, and you know what they're making uh, informed decisions for the future. They're not worried about what's going to happen in a week or in a month. They're worried about what's going to happen in, in the next year or two how the company is going to right. grow and how it's going to develop. And then they have an active role sometimes in, in, in development of the company. Sometimes they take a seat on the board to make sure that the companies run well. So you have a lot more input on what happens. So oh, yeah. most, most of the time, the, 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 the private equity firms that I deal with, they, they always get a seat on the board. But mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's different uh, scenarios there where some private equity firms will keep management in place and align them themselves their their goals with the, the goals of management and uh, and try to encompass uh, some different types of strategies to to get that return up um, exceeding that of which management uh, is typically working with um, you know and they may encompass equity and debt um, but uh, but sometimes it's restructuring um you know, it, it, there's different strategies that these private equity firms will use, but in, altogether, they're they're trying to enhance that growth in those companies, um, and because they because they want the general partners of the fund, of course, get paid 20% of those investments. So they want to make sure that they're going to go ahead and get paid down the road as well. Right, and and that's why for uh, investors or uh, general partners in private equity, uh, when you're when you put your money to work there, uh, you're not just investing in one particular situation. You could be investing in thirty thirty situations where you get a little piece of the action on each one. But again, you know, private equity they're more into growth and they'll, they'll, they have long term plans and not short term goals because you know uh, they're not trading. They're not trading for for a dollar. They're they're looking to grow for ten dollars. Right, and and these private equity firms that I deal with are are analyzing the books. They're analyzing the the financial models. They're analyzing the debt. They're analyzing the profit margins before they ever make an offer on these companies to make sure that those numbers are are kind of uh, work and that they're going to be able to uh, exit those deals with 30%, 20%, 15%, whatever whatever the number they're targeting. Uh, but they do their due diligence, and before they make all these acquisitions of these companies and put them into a fund, um, you know, they're, they're constantly screening uh, these investments in these companies, these growth companies, to make sure that uh, they meet their qualifications um, before mm-hmm. they make that acquisition. Yeah, well, that, when they, they there's a lot there's a lot more a lot more legwork involved, you know. But the way I see it, if an accredited investor, 
you know, whatever they have, you know, 50, 100, 200, a million, 10 million, whatever it is, to, and they want to put it to work and it's just sitting there in the bank, it's better to put it to work for the long term because as we're going through this administration, we don't know what's going to happen in 12 months. We have no clue. But one, one thing I do see is more risk capital going out there and looking for these situations. And uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, John, but, you know, private equity funds, they have a cap of how much money they're going to take in for a particular, uh, for a particular fund. Right. They'll, they'll uh, ahead of time, they'll decide on whatever it's going to be, $100 million, $200 million, uh, whatever the case may be, and then they, they uh, when they get to that mark and they raise that capital, they close out that fund. And, of course, then they're uh, solely concentrating on those investments inside of that fund, and uh, mm-hmm. they want to optimize, of course, that growth. Um, so, and, and you're right about that, as uh, what you said previous, is that we don't know what's going to happen. So investing in America's uh, small business and, and growth in these companies, and, and you're right. Some of these companies may end up being the next Facebook or the next Google, um, yeah. and 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 it would behoove those who want to um, look long term to invest in some of these uh, companies. Hell, I know I would have loved to have invested in Microsoft before sure. it was trading at 46 cents a share, or Dell yeah. when it started in trading at a dollar a share. Uh, and the performance of these of these companies before they went public, uh, you know, they exceeded. Uh, I mean, or as they went public, excuse me, exceeded some ten thousand percent returns. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it's the the job of the private equity uh, firm to go out there and seek out these special situations. This is why, you know, you said you're being there at, at the beginning of uh, of a Microsoft, the beginning of. I mean, not not the beginning of an Apple, because at the beginning of Apple, you would have lost your shirt, but next round, you would have did okay. Uh, but beginning of a Google or Facebook, being a visionary, and you know, if you have the money and you have a private equity firm that's actually doing this, then it's a good idea if you're a credit investor to, to link up with that, because it's a lot safer than throwing your money in the market and, and rolling the dice and hoping and praying for the best. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a pro-market guy as well, so I think there's a lot of opportunity, but it's a lot harder. Okay, when you have when you have uh, when you have uh, stocks trading at 30 seconds and 16th and and you know and things like that, it's hard for you to actually make money, especially with a lot of the uh, electronic trading happening and the uh, the uh, the uh, rapid trading. You know, so uh, well, but if you look, look at. Yeah. A prime prime example is uh, is with uh, Bain Capital and Staples. Yeah. Without uh, Bain Capital, that private equity firm Staples would never be a household name. Yeah, yep, and that, that's one hundred percent right. But a lot of a lot of um, a lot of household names now they they started out with having someone believing in them, saying, "Okay, well, we're a private equity firm. We're going to go invest in in your in your company, and we're going to help you grow." All right, because, you know, Facebook the same way. They would not be where they are if they didn't have someone that was in the private equity sector stepping in and saying, okay, let's do this. Okay, um, and, you know, Twitter, I mean, that's, I mean they, they're looking to take that public this year. But also with things like that, you know, you have a lot of special situations out there, and it's, it's private equity that actually steps in there. They, they are the, 
you know, beyond the, the angel investors that may go in there first, they're the, the next thing. They're the next phase that actually brings a company from the, uh, the beginning stages to the next level, and, and they stay with them. And they, they, they're, they're constant investors. Even when, they, when you have the exit and they, they cash out, you know, a lot of private equity, they, 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 they won't walk away. They'll still keep a position in the company. Right, right. And a prime example of that is uh, Austin Martin Ford. Ford sold them um, after making a good profit, but they kept uh, uh, a, a portion of their investment uh, in Austin Martin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look at uh, Tesla, look at Pfizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys wouldn't be even be around if it wasn't for venture capital and private equity. And who knows uh, with with Tesla and Fisker where they're where they're going to develop next in the type of technologies that they're going to have in the electric cars next. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's about you know having the capital and somebody believing in your dream. And private equity, they do that. You know, granted, you have a lot of private equity that will go out there and they'll look for distressed situations. But you have you have private equity venture capitalists that are out there looking for that next thing. They're looking for that next thing that's gonna that's gonna profit their investors, but also be something great and be something safe, something that they can help and grow. You know, usually they understand the industry, you know. But as I mentioned earlier, I think this administration, we, you know, this is so much in flux that you don't know what's gonna happen, you know. And uh, I think uh, that you know the the world of private equity is 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 probably your the, the best route for someone to go if they are an accredited investor so that they can actually benefit from what's going on, not only here, but what's going on globally. Because our sluggish economy is actually, it's it's like going global. It's it's it's, it's crazy, but it, it's like a domino effect. And then it comes right back right. at us. <laughs> right. And that, I, I don't think we can look anymore uh, at the typical 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds, or or maybe sixty uh, percent uh, in stocks, twenty uh, percent in bonds, and twenty percent in uh, in cash. Um, you know, you, I think that nowadays you you have to look at maybe twenty percent in equities, twenty uh, percent in private equity, twenty percent in uh, hedge funds, twenty percent in the global bond market. Uh, you know, um, you know, and the rest in cash. You know, no longer can does the typical uh, asset allocation models uh, apply. I agree with you, and also I, and I need to say this about private equity. What what I guess what investors need to understand, and credit investors, that uh, if they don't understand this, they should. Um, if when you're looking at a private equity uh, fund that opens up, and they become fully funded, okay, and they done, they reach that cap. And you mentioned it earlier, John, that at that point they're focused on on developing whatever is in that fund, the investments. They can't go open up another fund because they don't have the managers to do that, the managers that are actually you know running the money. So when you have the opportunity and you, you find a good private equity uh, fund to get involved with, it's good to pull the trigger if you can because if they cap out, chances are they're going to be – they're going to be locked up in there for the next few years, focusing on growing that, and you're not going to have the opportunity to get in because they close it out. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
and and uh, and nowadays also some of the the fast growing areas in private equity or technology, biotechnology, um, and um, uh, of course uh, clean technology. Um, you know, and and I've seen as what you said earlier, I'm seeing more private equity firms diversify, not just in those sectors, but they'll bring uh, they'll bring IT along with. Um, along with real estate, along with consumer services, and mm-hmm. they'll diversify in multiple sectors, as you mentioned, uh, so that uh, those private equity funds are uh, are are very diversified, mm-hmm. so that risk is uh, very mitigated across numerous sectors, um, so they can go ahead and, and uh, cap that risk. That's interesting, and I think that's going to be. Uh, how a lot of funds may start working out is diversifying their their investment strategy, having their 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 managers uh, have a manager focus on real estate, have a manager focus on this and that, and have that within one fund. You know, where in the in the past you would have specific funds for real estate for this for that, but if you if you're an investor, and you're stuck in a real estate uh, fund, and things aren't going so well, you, your options are limited. You, you're kind of stuck there. So it's good to have, and I, and I like hearing that that you have some private equity funds that are actually going out and they're they're diversifying their investments. I think that's smart, especially in in, in this environment right now. Right. I, I mean, I'm uh, looking at uh, uh, helping out one fund uh, right now that um, is is diversifying. Uh, let's see here uh, in. Uh, uh, consumer services, um, uh, IT, and um, what else are they? Um, and uh, in um, also in uh, uh, technology, um, so that uh, they can go ahead and capitalize on uh, on uh, numerous different deals, and they'll probably end up putting. Uh, somewhere, like you said, uh, somewhere around uh, uh, 20 deals inside the fund, so that um, uh, you know it's not just solely reliant on um, uh, you know just uh, five deals or or uh, or 10 deals even. Yeah, and and just and I want to say this as well. Even though as an investor, a credit investor, you invest your money in a private equity uh, fund. You know, it may be it may be illiquid. It may be like a real estate situation where you can't take your money out right away. Um, still, you know, the growth the growth in that uh, will outweigh the liquidity factor because if you have your your money locked up, and again, you have different lockup periods, right, John? You can go right. you know two years to go five years, ten years, whatever the case may be, whatever the life of the fund is, and uh, you can. Uh, if you if you hook up with a good fund, you know the profit margins, you know, for you as an investor could be uh, pretty substantial. And it ha- has happened. And as you mentioned, John, you know, if you look back in time with with, with Milken and his, the clients that he had and what he did, even though he got in trouble and everything, but the reality is there was an idea, there was a thought, and he there was a, there was an execution behind it, and it created. You know what American finance is right now. You know because it opened up a lot yeah, of we doors. We would have had the the growth. We wouldn't have the growth in this country that we did 
uh, had we not had that uh, that uh, type of uh, dead instrument. Yeah, well, that when that happened, because you know Henry Kravis again, uh, the pioneer and leverage buyout. You know, uh, uh, you know he used Rexel, of course, but he actually perfected it. He perfected it, had it down to his science, how to do it, who to go to, and how to make it all work. And you're right. If that didn't happen, you know, we would have we would have been with the typical, you know, blue chip stock, the IBM at at thirty five, forty, and that type of thing. We would have still been in that in that in that situation. We wouldn't have had the growth that we did in the late eighties, you know, in, in the in the nineties and things of that and things of that nature. We wouldn't have had you know the uh, the internet boom and all this stuff because these companies never would have got funded if it wasn't for private equity. And if it wasn't right. for, for 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 leveraging things, you know, the Yahoos and everything, they they would not uh, even AOL they would not have uh, got out the gate without the use of uh, private equity, uh, without the use of uh, venture capital, and without as they're going public, without um, you know knowing uh, how to how to deal with. Uh, with leveraging uh, things, uh, leveraging their their assets. So uh, yeah, so it's it's really um, it's an interesting time we're in, John. It's really interesting, and I'm, I'm curious to see what the what the next not even the next couple of months, but the next couple of weeks are going to bring. It it is uh, you know all of this is in the works, and and all of this is being developed. Um, as um, as I see us progressing out of January, going into the first quarter, um, you know, uh, it, it seems to be uh, um, that, that building block process uh, where more and more of these uh, firms are are like you said uh, scouring the the country for uh, these opportunities to to capitalize on. Uh, to put these together in inside of a fund format, uh, so that people uh, can go ahead and um, um, you know and invest and get. Uh, and yeah, by the way, here's another fund that I'm looking at uh, investing in aerospace logistics um, as well as uh, consumer uh, industries. So um, you know that those type of investments, though, typically. Um, would have required um, much amount of larger capital in years past. Um, you know, uh, people would have had to have uh, invested, like you said, in, in a in a separate fund that dealt only in aerospace, in a separate fund that dealt only in logistics. Um, but uh, uh, you know, to capitalize and diversify with all these different sectors, um, that's where I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think you're 100% right on that, and and you know what? The I think private equi- private equity uh, has actually grown up um, because you have young blood in there with vision, and they they see what's going on. You know uh, the you know way back when again you had the private equity that was stuck in that sector. You can't move out of that sector. You have to focus on that, and that's it. And that's what you do, and you were the manager of that. But now things have changed, and I and I, I see it as well, where you have the diversification, which actually, you know, it's it's going to make it even more interesting. And as opposed to, you know, you have you have investors out there that are, that are chasing, that they're chasing the next stock, they're chasing this, they're chasing that. Let's make a quick buck. There's no there's no quick buck artist deals uh, when it when it comes to uh, private equity because you're 
You know, when your money's in there, you're, you're, you're locked up for a little while. There's no, there's no candy coating that. But the benefits outweigh the, uh, the whole period, in my opinion, because you, you know, in a, you know, you may be with a fund that does invest in the next Facebook and the next Google and, and the next big thing out there, the be- next big technology company, or, or they, they get involved in a real estate situation where all of a sudden they've taken advantage of distressed properties and make a killing, okay? Because that, that, whatever they make there trickles down to the investors. Uh, my own firm is, uh, is a guy that... Okay. I'm losing you, John. Uh, special, uh, you know, in the... For, can you hear me? I'm lo- yeah, we're losing you a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, lo- losing you big time, John. Okay, we're we're, yeah. we're losing. Uh, okay, yeah, you're you're coming in very. Not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, you know, uh, with uh, you see, again, with, you still- uh, I'm, yeah, we're. All right, it looks like we're we're losing John here, um, but yeah, just just. Touching back on it, you know, private equity for accredited investors is definitely a good avenue to go with uh, everything that's going on in the market, the instability. Uh, you you, you want to be, you don't want to chase the, uh, you don't want to chase things because you don't know what's going to happen in the next year, two years, this administration, you don't know. All right, uh, and this is for accredited investors only because that's, you know, that's the law. That's the way it is. You know, uh, John, did you, uh, are you still there? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was trying to. I was trying to. You know, uh, you bridge me? the the gap. <laughs> yeah. Go. Go ahead. Past. Uh, uh, we uh, we're, you're breaking up again. We we had we had you for a second. We had you for a second. All right, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't this, know, but uh, this is really okay. John. Are you there? Hello. Okay, we're, we're losing John. He's coming in and out, you know. But uh, again, you know, for uh, for credit investors, it's good to take the opportunity to find out more about private equity, and uh, you know, see how that may work for you. You know, I'm not. I'm a pro market guy. I'm all, there's always opportunity in the marketplace. Uh, you have stocks that are that are growth stocks, and you have opportunities out there, um, which is fantastic. You know, you can. There's always a buck to make or to be made anywhere. Uh, just gotta actually, if you're a professional, and that's what you do, and that's you know that's how you can do it. But if you want to be uh, a passive investor and just put your money in and not have to worry about it. And not have to stress about it on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis. You know, private equity can be the way to go. And uh, what you want to do is take the time to go to REOCapitalLLC.com and uh, find out more about what they do. And I'm sure you, you can read uh, John Vanessa's blog, and he's always putting stuff on there and giving his input on the economy and everything. And uh, definitely want to follow him. And find out more about it because he is one of the most 
he's one he's one of the most informed uh, people as it relates to uh private equity and he gives a uh a layman's um uh view to the economy for the benefit of those who read it you know so it's not so much of an economist uh view but uh, he gives you a view that you know you can understand okay so with that said let's see if we still have John with us John are you still with us can you hear me now uh yeah i think you're coming in now go ahead Okay. All right. That that was short lived. But it's that was that was short lived. All right. Anyway, I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in, and uh, apologize for John. Uh, you know, uh, you know, cutting out. But sometimes that happens. You know, it's technology. Things happen. Um, but definitely, uh, you know, be with us next week on Monday Night Sleep, 7 p.m and uh, learn more about what's happening in the marketplace, learn more about private equity. You know, we're not a traditional, we're going to talk about a stock type of show. We're talking about everything. Today we talked about gun control. We talked about Obama. We talked about private equity and how it works. And John gave a good view of what, uh, how you as an accredited investor, how it would work for you. Even, you know, if you're not an accredited investor, you understand the mechanics of how it works. Okay, and that's what we do here. All right, so again, you know, uh, you know, check out REO Capital LLC. And then, uh, you know, John will be back next week to give you more input on what's, uh, on what's going on in the economy. And hopefully we'll get some more sound bites from our great president, uh, uh, Barack Obama. And uh, hopefully we'll get some headway. You know, tomorrow, keep tabs on the news with Facebook. They have a big announcement coming out at 1 o'clock. Uh, you also have uh, a big situation going on with Dell. Uh, there's going to be some sort of leverage buyout going on with that, and that involves private equity, so you want to stay in tune to that because that may be the biggest uh, technology uh, buyout in the history of the marketplace. So that's going to be interesting. But uh, until then, um, you know, keep, uh, keep your head above water and just keep in tune to what's happening in the marketplace. And we're going to try one one more time, see if we still have John. John, you there? Okay, we don't have him. Okay, yeah, we, we, you know, this is a really, uh, really bad connection, John. But anyway, uh, we'll be back with you next week on Money Never Sleeps. And, uh, again, we're going to have some interesting topics. So just uh, make sure you tune in 7 o'clock on Monday. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word, it's good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine when it hurts. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass.